Ben, what's your favourite fire cooking technique? Nothing fancy, just goat satay cooked over coconut husk flames in Lombok with a dude fanning the coals <laughs> with a cardboard fan. Okay, okay. We'll put in the request to the people at Vivid Fire Kitchen, which is exactly what it sounds like. Vivid Fire Kitchen is a pop-up running as part of Vivid from May 24 to June 15 at The Goods Line in the Sydney CBD, and it's all about cooking with fire. Tandoor, teppanyaki, First Nations food, tender brisket, charred veggies and aromatic satay, to name a few. With hand-fanned coconut husks? Uh, I mean, no promises. Vivid Fire Kitchen proudly sponsoring this episode of Ingridipedia. This podcast was produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri and Wadawurrung people, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Hello, you're listening to Ingridipedia, a food fight podcast, but instead of slinging burgers and pies, we sling weird facts and interesting tidbits and stuff from the depths of the internet. I'm Emily Naismith and I'm joined by my co-host Ben Birchall. Hello. Hi Em. We're going to talk about lemons. We are going to talk about lemons. A a sharp citrusy fruit that uh, grows uh, grows on trees. Yeah, it doesn't actually grow too well at my house. My lemons are very yeah. juiceless. I've got real little ones. Uh. I'm like I moved house and I I had the most abundant lemon tree in the world. Neighbors used to come and steal them, and I'd be like, "Come, come and steal them." Yeah. It's the worst. I pay, I bought one today. A dollar eighty. Yeah, they're really expensive. What the heck? I don't know. Um, we probably should have like done a fact where we research. Did you do one where we research how to grow lemons properly? Uh, no. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. that okay. would have been useful. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> okay, Ben. As a child, did you raid the cupboard of your grandparents' house when you visited? Uh, yeah. Yeah, mm. a little bit. A little bit. What were you taking? There were always like weird um, lollies. My, yeah. Like um, those... Indonesian coffee lollies or maybe some um, ting ting jahe, like uh, yeah, ginger lollies. Yeah. yeah. There's always some weird Asian lollies yeah. at my grandparents' place. I was a lolly thief too, but it was more of your party mix type thing and yeah. I would just leave the black cats. Um, also, raid like packets, the whole packet of Tim Tams would be gone by the time I leave. Um, and they also used to have soft drink, but only ever one specific type, lemon squash. Mm. Um, and it used to be solo. And then they transitioned to the less brand name um, pub squash. Pub squash, yep, yep. Which is the supreme lemon squash. It's a good squash. And still is, in my opinion. Um, and I'm not alone. There's a great pedestrian article called Who Cares About Lyft Being Killed Off When Pub Squash Is Clearly the Better Lemon Beverage? Was Lyft killed off? Lyft, would, Lyft was killed off um, in September 2022. Wow. Yeah. I, I um, missed that. Yeah, I mean, no one really cares because pub squash is like the superior squash. The king. Um, so it's made by a company called True Blue, no ease. Um, and, but what makes it so good? So I wanted to do a little lemon squash taste test where we can define what makes pub squash the supreme lemon squash. And, and I guess double check that it is. So yeah, lift no longer a thing, so that's not included, but it has been replaced by Sprite Plus, mm. which I've never had. Yeah. So Sprite Plus Lemon. Okay, just careful of that. 
Yeah, it has caffeine. It's for got some caffeine reason. in it. My ten-year-old talked me into getting it the <laughs> other day. He's like, "Yeah, let's get some of that. It's the same." Mm, not the he same. Fooled you. So we've got Sprite plus lemon. We've also got Solo, which is the more heavily marketed option in Australia. We've got Kirk's lemon squash, another kind of like, I guess low, low lower brand. And obviously, we also have pub. Thanks squash. to the good people at Kirk's. If you want to advertise on Greedypedia, we are available. <laughs> okay, let's compare. Okay. So first we have Sprite Plus Lemon. Mm. It's not going to be very good. I can already tell that it doesn't have that lemon um, colour. It's yeah, just it's kind of clear. like clear. It's okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next yep. we have Solo. Yeah, Solo's a lot like flatter. I guess so you can slam it down fast. <laughs> we can't mark it down for something that they do on purpose. No. But I prefer Bubbles. The flavour is tangier. Yeah. Interestingly, pub squash originated in pubs, obviously, as like a non-alcoholic version that you could drink, you know, smash like you would a uh-huh. beer. Okay. Um, if you didn't want to drink. Okay. Okay. This is the Kirk's lemon squash. Not not super pleasant. <laughs> I don't think Kirk's yeah. are going to advertise no. with it's kind of flat. It's kind of watery. It's, yeah. It's watery. It doesn't have it doesn't have the tang of the solo or no. the fizz of the Sprite Plus. Yep. All right. Pub squash. Now we're doing the pub squash, the true blue pub squash. Supreme. Don't disagree. I think what I, do you prefer? I think I prefer the solo. The solo? <laughs> Let me compare. Nah, I like the bubbles of the pub squash and I like the, it's more lemony. It's borderline. It's borderline. I like them both. Yeah. It doesn't help that they're all room temperature. No, this is true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the pub squash is best, but do you know what? I had to go on a wild goose chase to track this down. I went to two different coals. No pub squash. Two different Woolworths, no pub squash. I talked to the person at the front desk at Woolworths. She said, it looks like they're no longer stocking it here because it says not available in any stores in this area. This is like cut and cold all over again. It's like the coldies. Um, And so I was panicking because this is a few hours ago. Ended up having to drive like to Rosanna, like, ages away from me <laughs> in the rain. Um, and, and an IGA there had um, pub squash. So I did pre-call and ask them if they had true blue pub squash. Okay. Um, so, yeah, if you're, if you're after it, I, I would hit up an IGA first of all. Um, yeah, save yourself the time and effort. But and sadness. worth the travel. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Emily, when we've been talking about pub squash... Let's talk about pubs mm. and lemons. Okay. You ever go to a, a a bar or a pub and order a drink with a lemon in it? Maybe a yeah. l- lemon wedge in your gin and tonic? No. Little lemon, lemon, lime and bitters. Kind yeah. Of, you, sometimes has a little bit of lemon. Yeah. yeah. Squeeze a lemon in your margarita or something like that. Yeah. Not big on cocktails, but I have in the past, yeah. Okay. Maybe you won't after I share with you this article from Vice. Oh, no. 
Lemons used to infuse water, garnish cocktails and take the edge off tequila shots are a breeding ground for bacteria. I don't like germs. I don't like this. <laughs> and while these and other citrus are commonly associated with freshness and known for their ability to kill bacteria yeah. with their high acid content, the reality is that lemon wedges could potentially do more damage to your body than said tequila shot. Okay, because I remember going to um, like Southeast Asia and rubbing lemon on stuff to disinfect it. That, that is potentially making it worse. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> based on this study uh, from 2007 called Microbial Growth on Restaurant Beverage Lemon Wedges. It appears in the Journal of Environmental Health. It found that of the 76 lemons swabbed from 21 different restaurants, nearly 70% were found to have at least one of 25 different germs on them, many of which can be very harmful to humans. Uh, the microbes found on the lemon samples in our investigation all have the potential to cause infectious diseases at various body sites. Although the likelihood was not de determined in this study, the researchers wrote at the time, restaurant patrons should be aware that lemon slices added to beverages may include potentially pathogenic microbes. But how does that happen? Like, is it just because they're all sitting out there in like a bucket? Okay, well... Uh, LUK uh, followed up this study. They spoke with a uh, clinical professor of microbiology and pathology at New York University School of Medicine and the author of The Secret Life of Germs. His name's Philip Tieno. Uh, and uh, Tieno chalks up uh, this to, to factors as disparate and as common as bad hand washing mm. and sloppy, sloppy bartending. People are touching the lemon in your glass, handling it, cutting it, placing it in a container or a cup or a glass, and then picking up those slices at a later point in time, dropping them into a drink and putting them on the rim of the glass. You can easily see how those lemon slices and lemon wedges can be contaminated. So uh, according to Tiano, the only way to dodge lemon germs is for them to be in a really stiff drink uh, because straight liquor is a very hostile environment for bacteria. Okay. Uh, this works out well because you'll probably need a stiff drink after reading about how filthy lemons are. I will. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back to drinking pure alcohol, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe just stick to your pub squash from your grandparents' yeah, fridge. True, true. So it's the new year. I figure now is kind of a good time to put my hopes, desires for this year out into the universe. Wow. Just want to say. Bold. I really, I really want to do the My Day on a Plate column in The Age one day. Yeah. Um, I just want to share, bring some realness, bring reality to that column um, and not the kind of handful of nuts. Well, we spoke the only to, thing I eat until well, midday. We, we spoke to a, a My Day on a Plate I know, real I know. one, yeah. um, Lee Tran Lam, a little while back. That's what reminded me of like, oh, yeah, that's, that's been my goal for about 10 years. So... When I have done a food diary in the past, which I've only ever done because my doctors make me do it sometimes, um, I'm gluing kind of extensions to the piece of paper they give me to fit in all the <laughs> snacks. Um, and basically with my day on a plate, I've never seen one that didn't start with lemon in warm water. Yeah. Or like the majority of them do anyway. So what is this warm water with lemon thing all about? Well... Apparently, oh, and I should say this fact has a little bit of kind of talking about, I guess, diet culture. So if you're sensitive to that kind of stuff, maybe skip forward a few minutes. But 
The lemon with warm water in the morning is supposed to help your liver perform properly and um, help your digestion. So that's kind of one level of lemon water in the morning. But that may be a gateway drug to detoxing with lemon water. <laughs> Have you ever come across lemon water detox? Uh, I haven't done one, but no. I've heard of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's basically when you replace all meals with lemon water for 10 days. Because apparently lemon water removes toxins from your body and helps you lose weight. Um, now, can I just ask, does pub squash count? <laughs> I think that counts. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else cool, in Pulse cool, cool. Crush. Yep. <laughs> um, and, of course, there are pre-made kits you can buy which are incredibly expensive um, because lemon and water just aren't extremely available. <laughs> uh, but they also add stuff like, is it cayenne pepper? Yeah. And this kind of, like, thing that seems to be like maple syrup, but it's called Madal Bal Natural Tree Syrup. And some of them also have laxative tea. So I think that's what's going on there. (laughs) Obviously, I'm no dietitian, but honestly, if all I had for 10 days was lemon water, I would just not, not be okay. I wouldn't want to be recording a podcast with you. Like if I skip lunch, I'm so hangry. I'm like dropping stuff, bumping into things, wanting to like murder everyone I bump into and crying over nothing. Um, 10 days, I'd just be like crying in the snack aisle of the supermarket, um, may not be even conscious. And it's like basically starving yourself and there's no way that can be healthy. But what do the medical professionals have to say about this? Well, there's an article on the conversation by Evangeline Mansuarez, who's the program director of nutrition and food sciences at the University of South Australia. And she says, your body already detoxes without the added help of lemon water. It breaks down toxins or excess nutrients in the liver and eliminates those molecules via the kidneys and out into the toilet in your urine. There's no evidence vitamin C helps this. So any claim lemon water detoxes you are untrue. If you really need a detox, you probably need a liver transplant. Oh. Amen. Okay. <laughs> I hope I don't need one of them. <laughs> I'll stick to pup squash. Okay. Uh, Emily, what am I holding here? little piece of paper. A little bit of scrap paper. With some writing. Looks and like it's maybe by yeah. your child. Yeah, my child. Just a scribble. <laughs> Just a sort of random work list about, uh, I won't say what it's about, it's probably commercially sensitive. Um, Nothing to see here, you just sort of throw that in the bin or pass that along to... I think I know what's going on here. Well, let me just apply some heat. Oh no, I'm burning something. (laughs) trying to remember where it is. Oh, there it is. Okay, let me just apply some heat. smoked. (laughs) Just applying some heat to this page. He's got a little lighter and he's... There's smoke now. I think you're burning the paper. <laughs> the paper is burning. Oh, little pyro. Nothing's showing up. <laughs> oh, test that. this out. Didn't, didn't test <laughs> I... Oh, okay. That, that, that's not fire, babe. That's not fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've lit a fire. <laughs> Okay, we're back. Um, had to take a little break. <laughs> Started a little fire in the studio. Um, should I pretend like it worked or should we just move on? Um, maybe explain what you were trying to okay, do. Okay, what, <laughs> what I had 
was I'd written in lemon juice on a page a little note that said, well, isn't this surprising? Um, <laughs> when you apply heat to lemon juice on a bit of paper, mm. the sugars in the lemon juice cook faster than the paper in theory. <laughs> and you can read the the hidden message. Yes. Uh, Instead, a, you just lit a piece of paper on fire. <laughs> lit a piece of paper on fire, really tested the fire alarms. They... Don't work. Probably uh, <laughs> worth mentioning to the building manager if you're having a chat. Um, but it is—it's a thing. Invisible ink is a thing. Mm. Using lemon juice as invisible ink is a thing. I did it when I was a kid. I think we we actually wrote on like bits of cardboard and then put that in the toaster, oh. which sounds even more dangerous than <laughs> what I just did. Um, but I'd, what, I thought I would delve into the history of using lemon juice. As Invisible Ink. This is from a Mental Floss article about the book Prisoners, Lovers and Spies, The Story of Invisible Ink from Herodotus to Al-Qaeda by Christy McCracus. So in World War I, several so-called lemon juice spies, German agents operating in England, used citrus as their means of communication. The British government had stepped up its censorship of letters in wartime. One agent, Mabel Beatrice Elliott, flagged letters written by three of these men, heated them up, and unmasked them as spies. The lemon juice operation was a clumsy one. Several spies once caught had lemons on their persons or pens with pulp still stuck in the nibs. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. How did you How did you write with lemon? Uh, I used a pen that didn't work. Oh, okay. um, But mine didn't work, so don't listen to me. <laughs> I'm a terrible spy. Uh, maybe as bad as the... Um, the 11 German spies who were executed in the Tower of London in 1915, uh, and four of those 11 spies had used lemon juice. After the painful and visible loss of the lemon juice spies, McCracus writes, the Germans began to develop more sophisticated invisible ink methods. Um, and it's still happening today. Uh, it's not just a World War I thing. In the 1990s, well... Maybe not happening today, today, 30 years ago. The Aryan Brotherhood used citrus juice and urine to send messages between prisons, orchestrating violent action. In 1997, Brotherhood leader T.D. Bingham, imprisoned at the Supermax prison in Fremont County, Colorado, sent a letter to an outside courier who passed it to Brotherhood members imprisoned in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. The letter was written in urine and revealed its secrets upon being toasted over a flame. The message... War with DC Blacks, TD. When Bingham and other Brotherhood leaders were tried for ordering this and other attacks in 2006, embarrassed government censors had to admit that they'd missed the message completely. Mm. So, but there was no lemon in that one? There was, it says citrus juice and urine. Maybe oh. that was my mistake. I should have used more urine mm, in my... Please never try that again. <laughs> okay. So we had our beer episode recently and we talked about the kind of first beers we enjoyed drinking, which were coldies. Um, but I don't think we talked about like our favourite beer moments. Mm. Um, like not your favourite beer off the shelf, but it's like a moment where you were drinking beer and the stars align and it's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Do you have one of them? A couple of years ago, I trained for like uh, an event. Like a, I had to do like a run and a swim and I didn't drink for ages. And the night before... The event, I um, I, I let myself have like a, a beer, like one beer and a, and a bit of pizza to like carb load. Yeah. And never tasted better before or since. Yours? Um, 
I've got a few, but the one I'm thinking about today, like what, one of them is having a beer from the Asahi, like building overlooking Tokyo, like right at the top yeah. of this amazing yep. tower. And it's like you've been traveling for so long, yeah. so hot, and then that was delicious. Yep. But my favorite Melbourne one is um, from Moondog Brewery in Abbotsford. It must have been around 2010 when it first opened. And I had this Yuzu Saison from the tap and it was like a limited release special thing and it was a super hot day and it just I don't know it just hit right so it was like so citrusy and a little bit sour and it was really beautiful and I think that was the first time I'd had yuzu which is what I want to talk about today Mm. and I know it's not technically lemon but I mean it's close enough because like yuzu is kind of like a Japanese citrus fruit which is like apparently the meeting point between lemon and mandarin Ah. mandarin whatever (laughs) Um, but it looks like a small grapefruit. Okay. Okay. So it's not really eaten as a fruit by itself. Um, most commonly used in Japanese and Korean cuisine, but one of the ways it's used is in salad dressings, um, by using it in yuzu ponzu, which I've got, um, some that we can try. So I got this from my favorite shop at the moment, which is number one Asian grocer where I'm a member and it's so delicious it's like it tastes like um kind of tastes like oh I'll let you taste it okay I have some (laughs) I didn't know what to do I have some roast cauliflower that I cooked for my child excellent thank you (laughs) for dinner some cold roast cauliflower Mm -hmm. and some yuzu ponzu on a plate very scenic Yeah, it smells great. It's like so delicious. Mm. It's like sour. Just want to drink it. Yeah. It's like it just drank it. <laughs> it reminds me of when I make when I have dumplings and I mix like light soy sauce with that Chinese vinegar. Yeah. And it's like it tastes a bit like that, but more yep. citrusy. And yeah, I want to drink it at the yep. end. Especially when it's mixed with chili oil. Hell yeah. Um and so that's one way to use it. It's also used in drinks like the beer I mentioned or a yuzu sour, like mm. a whiskey sour, but with yuzu. With that yuzu. sounds amazing. Okay, yeah. Um, but you just do that with like, with yuzu, not with like ponzu. You just go like straight yuzu. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would be with straight yuzu. Um, yeah. Like used as in, in with the lemon, yeah. instead of the lemon. Um, and I've also got another of my favorite things, Cupy. <sighs> But you can get yuzu cupy. Yuzu cupy. Which I've never had. I just opened it then fresh. So I'm so excited. Okay. And again, I'm sorry, we have to have it with the cold roast and cold fire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, or you can just have it straight. But Thank I you. mean, cupy straight isn't as good as. It's good. It's not like. It's not super. I can't really taste. The difference between normal... I should have brought in some normal cupy. It's definitely got a like a citrusy... Yeah, that's it's true. It's kind of almost a bit sweet. Yeah, like cupy's kind of usually... Yeah, true. The ingredients were interesting. It said um, soybean, oil, water, sugar, egg yolk, distilled vinegar, salt. But then it said lime juice, yuzu and lemon flavours. Okay. And then a few other things. So it's good. Yeah, it's citrusy. Yeah, I can't specifically taste the yuzu. Yeah, 
Um, and it's also in desserts, which one of my best ice cream moments was walking around the streets of Kyoto in Japan in summer and it was really humid and we came across this yuzu soft serve thing and it was delicious. <laughs> um, so, yes, I'm obsessed with yuzu. I want to find out if we can get it here in Australia to, like, cook with and make things with. And there are a few people who grow yuzu here. So Adam Lior grows some in his garden, mm -hmm. but I can't exactly go and knock on his door. <laughs> Let's try. <laughs> so then there's Buck's Farm in Chillingham near the border of New South Wales and Queensland. They were the first to grow it here. And then there's also Mountain Yuzu, which is near Mount Buffalo in Victoria. Um, and they supply yuzu to Minamishima, that really fancy sushi, sushi place in Melbourne, and Loon because Loon mm. make a yuzu cronut, which oh. I haven't had but want to. This information I got from an article on SBS and that says, depending where the grower is in Australia, the season ranges from a few weeks to a few months, somewhere between February and July, which means it's nearly yuzu season here. Yeah. Um, and when they're available, you can buy the actual fruit from them directly, which I really want to do. But in the meantime, it's yuzu kupi and yuzu ponzu for us. Hand me the cauliflower. <laughs> Okay, um, I'm going to cut to the tape. Uh, I'm going to play a commercial from 1976. West is a toy to twirl, to jump and skip as the lemon twist whirls. Put the loop on your ankle, throw the lemon twist around with a hop and a jump as it clears the ground. It's a toy for one or a toy for two. Or with lemon twist, you can see who jumps the most before they miss. You can share a lemon twist hop or a lemon twist leap. Or you can have a lemon twist parade down the sidewalk of your street. Lemon twist from Chem Toy. They look like they're having fun, but they also look like they're in a prison and it's like they're mandated 20 minutes of exercise a day. Yeah, yeah. So what we've just watched is a commercial for a toy called the Original Lemon Twist. Uh, it was made by a company called Chem Toy. Which Ooh. sounds... Uh, <laughs> they're, the, they're the most fun toys. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, I guess... I mean, would you describe it? It's kind of like a ball and chain, yeah. except for oh, the ball. Oh, maybe that's why I'm getting prison. Yeah. The yeah. ball is a lemon and the chain is a, is a loop of rubber. Yeah. Um, the loop goes around one leg and you swing it around perpendicular to the ground uh, and you jump over it with the other leg. Yeah. It requires a lot of co um, coordination. Yes. Yes. Uh, let me describe how the toy makers talk about this toy. Uh, Chem Toy trademarked the Lemon Twist on December 29, 1975, describing it thusly. Lemon Twist is an amusement device comprising a tether having a loop at one end to embrace the user's ankle and a mass at the other end to follow a substantially circular path when gyratory motion is imparted to the ankle. The trademark was granted on October 12, 1976, and the Lemon Twist toy began flying off the shelves shortly thereafter. I can't imagine that. Um, so do they, do they sell it with a lemon? Is it a real lemon? It's not a real lemon. It's okay. like a rubber lemon. It's it can be. A, it's basically just a weight. And it does seem like there was a strawberry version. There's a Facebook yeah. group with okay. 1.2 thousand fans. Uh, 1.2 thousand. <laughs> yeah, a lot. it's not that many. Um, but they're very. People talk about it very fondly. Um, they seem to break a lot. There's a lot of people had to repair them with electrical tape. The lemon flew off. Um, it seems like maybe it was uh, <laughs> a little bit dangerous. Yeah. Um, it's no longer sold in, in that form. Um, I can tell you, though, there's one on eBay right now for the princely sum of 242 US dollars or 356 Australian. Um, but to be fair, it's in the original Canadian packaging in French. So, mm. you know, uh, I can see. Okay. Um, 
another thing I noticed on uh, I found on on uh, Facebook was uh, Lemon Twist finding a second life as a quarantine cardio implement. A lady named Jennifer Curry posted a video of herself getting a kind oh, of ten minutes exercise. So depressing <laughs> with a lemon twist. But the, I mean, it's a weird toy. Like, why is it a lemon? No, it's, it's not, not a, a toy. It's an amusement device, as you said. <laughs> neither really. Um, that that is weird. It's a weird thing to do. It's weird that it's a lemon. But the weirdest part is that the toy is back, not in lemon form. No. The Wahoo Pop-Up Kess Fierce Hopper uh, is for sale right now at Big W stores. It's basically the lemon twist, but with a plastic ball on the end, and the plastic ball's got, like, stuff in it, like little animals, and so they try and make them collectible. Yeah, like little toys. That's weird. Um, They describe it as a fresh take on a classic toy. See how long you can hop to keep the Fierce Hopper going and try and beat your high score. And I was was like... They'll all be in landfill. And then I was like, oh, does it have, like, a... You know, does it measure how many times you spin around? Is it like an electronic device? No, no. It'd be cool if it like you could do it in the dark and it lit up or something. Yeah, that would be cool. I don't think it does that. Uh, uh, it just says its bright colours dazzle and each fierce hopper head have, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, <laughs> has unique trinkets and materials inside that are sure to catch the eye as it spins around your ankle. <laughs> so I, I originally when I saw the Lemon Twist toy commercial, I was like, that is the worst toy of all time. Mm. We've got... <laughs> new <the> candidate, <laughs> the Wahoo pop-up Kess Fierce Hopper. Mm. Well, I know what my son's getting <laughs> Coming soon to a <laughs> landfill near you. Okay, so what did we talk about? Well, I did the lemon squash taste test, then um, talked about my day on a plate and kind of lemon detox, and then yuzu in Australia. And I talked about the bacteria on lemon wedges. I burnt the studio with the (laughs) lemon invisible ink trick and opened up the the world of the original lemon twist amusement device. Mm. So, yeah, you can vote for whose facts you found most interesting and entertaining on our Instagram, which is Ingridopedia. And, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Um, Ben, I can smell smoke. Did you finally kill every appliance in this studio? No, Em, that's just the waft of perfectly smoking embers from Vivid Fire Kitchen, which is exactly what it sounds like. A pop-up kitchen running as part of Vivid from May 24 to June 15 at the Goods Line in the Sydney CBD, and it's all about cooking with fire. Tandoor, teppanyaki, First Nations food, tender brisket, charred veggies, and aromatic satay, to name a few. That sounds a lot better than your jaffles, Ben. No offence. Offence taken. Vivid Fire Kitchen, proudly sponsoring this episode of Ingredipedia.